Amen. Um, if you've got your Bibles this morning or your phones or whatever and wherever your Bible app is or your whatever you've got, whatever the other things that people use and iPads and all kinds of pads, um, just turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. While we're just turning there, let me just say this. In the first meeting, I just really felt in my heart um, to um, just talk the whole time, but I just want to say this very quickly here this morning because I want to get to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But I just want to say, I felt like the Lord said that we need to learn to encourage ourselves in Him. That in these days, the most exciting, most powerful, most wonderful days, they're days that we're, we're, they're the greatest days for us. And uh, we just need to be like David and learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord um, because that's how you encourage yourself. You encourage yourself in God. And how do you encourage yourself in the Lord? You encourage yourself in the Word. And, uh, and so I, I, I did share about uh, David in 1 Samuel 30. Um, it's the story when he's at Ziklag. But let me just quickly just say this about David uh, so you are encouraged. Um, he was anointed as king when he was about, thir- uh, about 16, 17. And about 13 to 14 years later, he was actually made king. For 13 or 14 years, he knew that he'd been anointed by God to be king, yet he spent his life running and hiding and getting smacked and, and by all different kings and people and not knowing whether he was David or Diana or whatever, no, uh, he, or Arthur or Martha, no, um, he was, he was, it was just, an, it was a horrific time and I just shared um, how um, even when he was running from Saul, and, and, and I shared very quickly uh, this morning about how in those days, kings overthrew other kings by killing them. It was very normal for you to overthrow another king by, by, by killing the king. So if we understand that, you also understand why David so powerfully would not touch the anointed. He would not touch Saul. He could have. So it wasn't some huge sin to actually kill the king. But he would not touch the anointed of God. The anointing for David was way higher, way more important. And at the end of the day, he was running around some things at a cost because he had made some mistakes. But at other times, it wasn't his own fault. Um, I said even one of the times when he was running away, his father-in-law Saul gave his wife away to another man. And I said, you've never had a father-in-law like that. No matter how bad you might think your father-in-law is, he's never given your wife away to another man. And uh, also how he was, uh, just great, 1 Samuel 21, you can read about how David, when he was with Abimelech and so nervous, because such fear, because he always threatened whether he was going to get killed, um, he actually pretended to be mad. He drooled, and he wrote on the gates like he was a madman, and the king actually told him to get away from me, um, just to survive, David to survive. Here's David, running through all these things in his life. You get to 1 Samuel 30 at Ziklag where he's now gone, taken all his army. He's actually going to go and join. He's, he's in Philistine with the Philistines, um, and he's saying he's going to go join them to go fight against Israel. But I, you, if you read it carefully, you realize there's a tongue-in-cheek a little bit there. Anyway, the Philistine kings realize, I think they realize, this guy is not going to fight for us, so they, they don't want him. So he goes, he takes all his people back, all his warriors back to Ziklag, back to where he lives. And when he got back, the Amalekites sneakily realized all oh, they're all away. So burnt the whole town, city burnt to the ground, took every one of the wives, children, the whole families, all of their stuff, everything, took it. Totally, the town is totally desecrated. David is just weeping. It says they wept till they could not weep anymore. They had no strength more to weep. And then they were so distressed because they had lost everything, they wanted to kill him and to stone him. And then in 1 Samuel 30 verse 4, it says, and then he 
encouraged himself in the Lord. And how did he encourage himself in the Lord? He went and asked the priest if he could have the ephod, which was the way that they actually um, sought out the Lord. He went and he sought God, sought his presence, sought what he wanted to say. And the truth of the matter is that uh, he said, God, should I pursue? And God said, go pursue. He pursues. He gets everything back. Huge victory. And um, about, if you read in 2 Samuel 2, so it's, a, it's, a, it's literally hours. It's a few days later. Saul dies and he's anointed as king. I always love in the Bible to just read the story that David wept and lay on the ground and said it is unfair and this is ungodly and COVID is of the devil and I'm going to stay in my bedroom now for the rest of the day and for the rest of this week and what would have happened to David if he had done that? You're right at the point of your breakthrough, friends. You keep encouraging yourself in the Lord. Take the Word of God and let it become rich and dwell inside of you. And, uh, and so just be encouraged. Thank you. So if we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, while you're at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you haven't found it now, I guess give up. But um, 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 but in, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 6, because Connor said something now. Connor said something now. So, so just, just find, I'm giving you more time for 2 Corinthians 3. But in Hebrews chapter 6, um, it starts off and it says, uh, we read in verse 1 and 2, but it says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Um, let us leave the first principles of Christ and go on to maturity or perfection. And uh, I, I felt um, that this is a real call over the church right now, that we need to leave the elementary principles. Those elementary principles, yes, I don't get caught up in that. The elementary principles, repentance from dead works, um, um, Teachings on baptisms, the baptisms, uh, faith, um, raising the dead, uh, all those exciting things, um, those elementary things. But we are, to leave those, we are to leave those behind so that we can mature. That's what uh, Hebrews chapter 6, and we get caught up in all the, the rest. But um, I just want to say this. Uh, when I was uh, preparing, I, just, uh, I felt like the Lord was giving a picture of um, it's like a builder that builds a house. And he's just now building the house, and then he tears it down so that he can redo fresh foundations. And then he builds it up again, and then he tears it down so he can redo foundations. That guy you would put in a straitjacket and put him somewhere safe, right? But I feel like often as the people of God, that's what we do. And, 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 and Hebrews here, he's trying to say to us, let's move on to maturity. Let's leave those things now behind. Um, let me make a statement, and hopefully the rest of what I share will actually help you with the statement, because I haven't got time to unpack it all. But let me say this. Never look back if you want the power of God in your life. You will find that the measure you look back, you missed out on what God had for you. Oh, that's touching something. I better... Better unpack something here. Let me see. Okay, let me just, okay. Let me go, I'll quick, keep to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Let me, I'll, I'll just touch some scriptures. I won't, I, I, I really do need to get onto this other exciting. See, scripture's so exciting. You just, um, in, in, in 2, uh, 3, Philippians 3, 2, 2 plus, oh, I'm birthing something. What? Oh, get my glasses. 
Yes, it's Philippians. It is. Philippians. Um, Philippians, let me, I'll just read from wherever you want to. It's all good. Um, so verse 12, it's, Paul says this, Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ, Christ Jesus has made me his own. So this, this is this thing. Not that I've already obtained it or am already perfect. So I'm not perfect. I haven't got all my ducks in a row. Picture what Paul's trying to say yeah. But I press on to make it my own. What? The call of God, right? Um, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. That's one thing I am assured of. He has made me his own. So now what I'm pressing through for what? Listen to this 13, verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. So he's not trying to say I've arrived, right? But one thing I do. If we see here, this isn't a multiple choice test. This isn't a number of options. This isn't pick a color. This isn't pick a color, pick a number. Some of you know, some of you know what I'm talking about. You don't. No. But one thing I do, one thing I do, one, 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 one thing. Can I ask you today, just one thing, if one thing, can you just do one thing for me, please? One thing. One thing. Okay. You got it. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. When, what is behind? Just what I said. One thing. It's behind now. Forget that. Moving on. <laughs> forgetting what lies behind. It says, straining forward to what lies ahead. Oh, I love that. There is a commitment here. You can't strain forward if you... Straining forward. There's actually a full-on commitment now. I'm fully on straining forward. What am I straining forward for? I'm straining forward for what lies ahead. And I can't see what lies ahead. Let me see. <laughs> I press. <laughs> I'm not going to get far with this, Lord. Help me. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on to the goal of the call of Jesus Christ over my life. Forgetting what lies behind, I want to do what God has called me to do. I want to fulfill it. I can't fulfill it if I'm looking back. If I'm looking back, I'm going to miss out on what God had for me as I'm going forward. Amen. Uh, let me give you two more scriptures quickly. One, if you've got 2 Corinthians 3, just keep that. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me just quickly say that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinth, what? One thing, one thing, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 thing Corinthians chapter 3, um, verses, um, verses 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he might become wise. Should have preached that this, this first service. It's a powerful one. Let no one deceive himself. Anyone who thinks he's wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For as written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Then when we catch this, you realize how much it's all about Jesus and not about us, man. I don't even want to be caught 
thinking stuff that's not Jesus or this is intelligence here that we're talking about, not us. It's intelligence. Jesus is intelligence. So let no one boast in men. But listen to this. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ and Christ is God's. Now, that's a powerful, powerful statement, and that's the word that we're talking about, how we encourage ourselves. All is mine. He's given me everything. But listen to what he gave me. He gave me uh, the world, or life, or death, or present, or the future. Guess what he didn't give me? The past. He gave me the present and the future. That's why God is the great I am. Now, now is the time, not the past. Now, I give you the present, and the future is yours. It's not yours over here from your bumpy back. The present going into the future is yours. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's just quickly go for the sake of time. Is bumpty a bad word? Uh, uh. <laughs> I can see I'm going to get some, some hits in this podcast. No. Um, <laughs> and they were not good hits. Yeah, a couple of emails. No. No, in all, verse, sorry, let me tell you the verse. Verse 37. Verse 37. No, in all these things we are, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. I'm going to read it again. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing present or things to come can separate you from the love of God. Guess what can separate you from the love of God? Your past. So that's why. He doesn't put it there because actually Paul believes that it's dealt with. It's sorted. It's done. Shouldn't be an issue in our lives if we're born again believers who love Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit shows us never, ever, ever to look back. Never, ever look back. And some of you might have questions. Connor's email. Connor at, no. <laughs> But let me, let me just say this. If you understand the cross, if you understand what Jesus did on the cross, anything that may be holding you back that's in your past, friends, if you will just come and get a revelation and understanding and know what Jesus did on the cross, he took care of that. So it's more about an understanding and a change of mindset and thinking and believing that needs to happen. And I do believe sometimes Holy Spirit comes and and some things, that, and we, we deal with them. But we're not dealing with them like we now have to go do something. Jesus paid the price 
for it already. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, it says this. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then if you know the truth, the truth is what will set you free. Not prayer, not a whole bunch of uh, weeks and weeks of fasting, not a whole bunch of, of, of huge uh, laying on of hands and of ministry. The truth will set you free. Best you know the truth so that you can live free. Amen. Amen. I know that's probably also another cow that's running out the field, but these holy cows, they run all over the place. But if you read, even we were in Romans chapter 8, if you're still there, I don't know if you've jumped to 2 Corinthians 3, we're getting there. If you go to Romans chapter 8, you'll see the Holy Spirit teaches us never to look back to the law of sin and death. Because it says that we have been delivered from the law of sin and death. Woo. We have been delivered, delivered from the law of sin and death. Amen. See, God has brought us into a new order of things. A life of love and liberty in Christ Jesus. He says it this way in Romans, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. God has done with the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. I love the Word of God. just explains it to us so easily and so beautifully. See, many believers are brought into this life through the power of the Spirit. It's a new order. Things have changed. They were going a certain way. I understand that. Study the Old Testament and you will know. I haven't got time to go through all of that. There was a certain way of doing things in a certain order. But suddenly Jesus comes onto the scene and he changes everything. Everything changes. Friends, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord is spirit. He didn't change the order of some natural, the way we were operating because we were operating in the natural in the Old Covenant. If you, if you understand this, Jesus came in the newness of life in the Spirit, friends. And now He changes the whole order of things. It's radically changed. It's not the same. You can't now operate in this and now try and bring in that part into the new, friends. You can't do it. Law and grace do not mix. It's like oil and water. And some other things. Ooh. If I'm shouting, sorry, just, just tone me down. No. See, many believers are brought into this life through the power of the Spirit. They're brought into this life through the power of the Spirit. Then, like the Galatians, friends, just like the Galatians. And, and you can, what? I'm now, you go, let's go to Galatians. <laughs> Galatians, well, quickly, let's go to Galatians. I can see this is, I think I've lost. This is, this is, I uh, know, oh let's. Lord, let's sue me back into, I, I think, yeah, I'm going to get drunk here myself, actually. It's so good. I'm just, I'm, it's beautiful. But you see, we get brought into this life through the power of the Spirit. Then like the Galatians, they ran well in the beginning, but then something happened. They then try to perfect themselves in legalism. This Galatians chapter 3, I'll just read 1 to 3. Oh, foolish Galatians. Paul was very kind guy. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Wow. 
See, I'm convinced that this is more about bewitching than trying to deal with some other bewitching. This is what? What has just bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Yet, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Woo. You see, this is the problem. The problem is we start in the Spirit. We start realizing we're stepping out of this walk that relied so much on our flesh and so much on us doing a whole bunch of stuff. We step into the Spirit, but we just have to journey a little bit in the Spirit, and suddenly now we slowly start slipping back into legalism and having to do stuff in the natural and the flesh because it comes uh, like as a default of the flesh. But God wants the default to be of the Spirit by faith. So this new, new covenant that we step into is by faith. Amen. You see, they want to, one is along natural lines, one is along spiritual lines. Now that Jesus has changed everything, we've renewed. We've been renewed in our spirit. We must operate according to the spirit. Oh, I was so excited to preach this. Ah, Rabbi Shande. Okay. Uh, and it's so easy, friends. It's so easy to step into the natural. What you've got to do is repent and go back into the spirit. It's not a big, huge, long, uh, otherwise it's back to the same place again, all works and trying to, are you doing this by works or are you doing this by the spirit? Oh, I shared with you um, Jonah chapter 2 verse 9, salvation is from the Lord. Salvation is more than a human order of things. The Lord is spirit, so his salvation is founded in the spirit, and his plan is in the spirit. It's a place of faith. It's a place of the unseen. That's why it's faith. So the only way you can walk in it is by faith. See, we want naturally want to see, taste, touch. See, if the devil can move you from that place, he can move you outside the plan of God. Let me say this. I said it this morning. <laughs> the same power that cast Satan out of heaven dwells inside of every child of God. The same power that cast him and, and his one-third of the angels. That's why the Bible can say in Romans 5.17, you don't have to turn there, that God's plan for every single one of us is to reign in life. But we reign in life through the righteousness of God. We reign in life through what He did, not through what we do. Through what He did. It's already a finished work. But you can't add to what Christ has already done. There's only one foundation, it's Jesus. Now, out of response to that, I begin 
to do things because I can and want to and love to and want to please Him and it's enjoyable to partner with Him. I'm not trying to change that foundation again, and that's the problem why the church doesn't move on. And that's why it's not finishing the job, because we're three-quarters of the way through. The building looks absolutely great, great, but now we have a look and we go, that brick over there potentially is a little skew. Knock that wall down. Bash it all down. Let's, just, let's go back and let's check all our foundations again. There must be something wrong with the foundations. Let's check it all. Let's get it all right. Let's start building again. And the devil loves that, never going to get the job finished because we just keep analyzing. So he says, forgetting what lies behind. Paul knew this too. Listen, if anybody could understand that, it was Paul. He was killing people. He was on the opposite side. He was a murderer. If that thing had to keep speaking to him, he would never have gone very far. He had to just say, forgetting what lies behind. So even if you might be sitting here today, you might be going, oh, but you don't know, I did this or the other. I'm going, forgetting what lies behind. You might go, oh, no, but Grant, hey, what are we, light on sin? No, you are light on sin. God is not light on sin, friends. See, you light on sin if you think that it's going to take you doing something to get it to sort it out. Then you are light on sin. See, God knew sin. He, was, he knew sin, friends. If you sin, you separate and cut yourself off from the life of God. Take sin seriously. If you think that every single time you sin, you're cutting yourself off from the life of God, you're going to go nowhere. And God knew that. That's why he's not light on sin. That's why he paid the ultimate price. That's why he gave his everything for us. That's why what Jesus did was die on the cross so that he could take care of sin. Ah, I could go down that road. I'm going to go down that road. Oh. <laughs> We're going to get 2 Corinthians 3. Thank you. We've got help in the front row again. Let's get 2 Corinthians 3. Okay. We were created to reign in life. And let me say this too. I, I also just want to say this, that, 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 that God took care of sin, friends. That's why he, he, he took care of it so that we could walk and go forward. He's not light on sin, so please do not hear what I am not saying. He's not light on sin. Friends, the reality is for most people, when they, when, they, when they don't want to go this route, they don't want to listen to the word, their religious mind wants to fit it somewhere else. Let me just say this. What's not of faith is sin. So you are sinning quite a lot. You don't have to, but you do. Sorry. Because the Bible does say, if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, which means the if is if. You don't have to. But I'm saying a lot of Christians, they don't even realize that they're sinning. And if, if you take sin seriously, it separates and cuts you off from the life of God. I could explain that to you from the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden. You see, Adam and Eve in the garden, there was one tree that was vital and necessary in the garden in order for them to stay in the garden. That was the tree of life. There was another tree. It was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was put there so that they would be committed and, 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 and walk in the spirit and not in the flesh and not rely on themselves, but rely totally on God. But they could live in that place without that tree. That tree was put there, friends, so they could know their own hearts, actually. That's why at the end of the day, when they decided to eat of that tree and go their own route and say, I can do this in my own strength, they had to be kicked out of the garden, and a big angel had to stand there uh, with a flaming sword, a cherub, cherubim, to, 
a cherub, cherubim, whatever. Um, um, I just like doing that, sorry. Um, and to stand there and to protect the tree of life. Because you see, God planted that garden. God gave them everything in that garden. They could walk and they could live in that garden with the luscious, lusciousness of all that God had done. And they, all they need to do was eat from the tree of life. If you, you want to live in the garden, friends, if you want to live what God has done, if you want to live in His rest, if you want to live in Him working on your behalf, and friends, then you need to come and you need to eat from the tree of life. It's vital. That's Jesus Christ. But if you want to eat from the other tree, friends, well, then you cannot stay in God's garden, God's rest, God's place, God's purpose, God's plan for you. You can't have both, friends. At the end of the day, too, no matter how good you are, James chapter 2, verse 11, it says, if you fail in one thing, you fail the whole test. This is not a test that you can get 99% and pass. This is a test. Breathe. Breathe. This is a test. <laughs> Woo. This is a test where you have to get 100%. And the whole of the Old Testament is proof of that. Friends, if you go to Romans chapter 5, verse 20, it will tell you that the law came in. What the law came in to do is to make sure that Israel was very good and they complied with all the regulations and they did everything right and they were a really goody twos nation. Absolute garbage. The, the, Romans 5.20, write it down, go and study it. When the law came in, the law came in so that what? So that sin might increase. No, I won't. Go and study it. Friends, the reason why the law came in was to expose man to the reality that you cannot do this in your own strength. You can't. And the answer to that, friends, is not to work harder. The, Christianity is not some philosophy about a way of life of trying to be a goody two-shoes. Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ, about a life surrendered, transformed, yielded in His image and letting Him operate and work through your life. That's Christianity. That's what a believer is, friends. A believer is somebody who shines Jesus no matter how much they may be a goody two-shoes or whatever, right? Oh, this is exciting. So, having done all, said all of this, having done all, to stand, stand. No, no, don't stand. Um, I'm not finished. Um, so, so, yes, so in the midst of all of this, right, that's why we understand, I shared last week, I shared about that we were born again, we got born again in our spirit, right? We become new creatures in our spirit. My, my body didn't suddenly get buff, poof, six pack. Only six pack I've got is the one where the things are in <laughs> <laughs> I've got a cool box with a six-pack inside it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the reality, the reality is you didn't change physically. Poof, that was great, whatever. You even didn't change in your soul, which is your mind, your intellect, your emotions. You actually have to renew that. You have to renew your mind. You have to bring it into submission. So you can't sin in your spirit, man. Your sin is perfect. It's sealed. Ephesians chapter 1, it's totally sealed. God's taken care of, of sin. That's why I shared about 1 John 3, go and study it, 1 John 3, 9 and 10. Children of God cannot commit sin in your spirit. You can sin in your flesh and in your body, and your flesh and in your body need to be submitted under the spirit. That's what a heavenly body, um, that's what a heavenly body is all about, actually. Uh, incorruptible, 
perfect body is a body now that is totally led by the Spirit. It's renewed. See, our, our, our body is led by the soul, by feelings, by emotions. Um, that's why we have such a challenge. So the Bible does tell us that temptations will come. Temptations come to every single person. Um, you, if you're like sitting there going, no, I don't get tempted. Well, I, let me say it like this. If you're not worth tempting, you're not worth much. You see, we're all tempted. But the beauty is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, go read it, verse 13. It says, God has already prepared. He's already enabled us divinely. God has enabled us not to trip up with every single temptation. He knows. And He enables us and He gives us, the Bible says, a way out. It's divinely enabled. You see, that's why I go back to the Word and proclaim the Word. It's my protection. It helps me to get a way out from the temptations that try and trip me up and make me, you know, in Job 23, verse 10, Job said this, When he has tried or tested me, I shall come out like gold. I love that. So beautiful. He knew. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Oh, and I wanted to go to Hebrews, but I have to get to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, let me just read it. This is a beautiful, I'm going to read the whole chapter, so don't panic. Um, I'm going to read the whole chapter very quickly, and then I'll touch on a couple of things, and I'm finished. Paul says, says this, says this. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Don't you just love that? See, he's trying to tell us something here beautiful, very, very beautiful. And that's that there was something of this old, that Moses went up the mountain, and it was given to him by God, and God wrote it on stone. And it was so powerful that Moses' face shone when he carried it down. And it was um, glorious because it was the way that the life of God could come. If you obeyed all those things, then you would be blessed and the life of God would flow. And so you have this, this given to Moses and Moses comes and brings this. And then suddenly there's this change and transformation that's so radically different where something, you can read it in John chapter 1, where something that was given to Moses, now God comes himself. Way different. You see, one is given and he says, right, here are the requirements. Fulfill these requirements and you can have my life. Yeah, and how are we going to do these things? Only the children of Israel and only believers will put their hand up and say, I'll give it a go. Even unbelievers probably. This is scary. I'm telling you, challenge your heart. Does not challenge your heart. Better challenge your heart. Because it is scary. Why are we even put up our hands? And that's what Israel did. They put up their hands. And we can do this. 
You can't do it. But you see, the law was given, but the law cannot help you. It can just tell you. The law can't help you. It just tells you. Right, you've got to do this. You fulfill these requirements. Go for it. So God says, I knew all of this all along. I had the plan, some plan. So now he comes personally. Friends, there's a change happening here. And this one here is written on stone. And he comes here and he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be the substitute for you. I'm going to take your place. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to write this now on your heart. That's not I'm going to give you crib notes to pass the test. I'm going to pass the test. And then as if you learned and as if you wrote it, I'm going to write it on your heart so you know it. Woo, way different. Suddenly I'm sitting there going, man, I like this teacher. So awesome. I wish I had more of you teachers when I was at school and growing up. It's like, Yo, you do the test for me and then just write it on my heart. I can sit there and go, I know that answer. Yeah, I know, I know. See, it's foolproof. Thank God. Mm. such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God not that we are sufficient in ourselves help me Jesus not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us he's just telling us this new covenant now he's just telling us what's changed there's something that's happened here is such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Woo. Uh. There's so much in there. I hope the Holy Spirit will have to. You see, if, if, a, if a, when a believer lives in the letter, you can pick it up straight away because he comes, becomes dry and wordy. See, it's all about knowledge. He'll quote 750,000 scriptures to you. Um, but it's all about knowledge. And he'll spend his time arguing and splitting hairs over knowledge and words. My Bible says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, do not be drunk with wine. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Ooh. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? I'm telling you, if you read Ephesians, the whole of Ephesians, the first three chapters of Ephesians, the first three chapters is identifying who you are in Christ. The last three chapters are telling you how you outwork that. In the first three chapters, if you just read the first chapter, in verse 6, I think, verse um, 12, 14, all there, it says, to the praise of His glory. The whole point is to the praise of His glory. Friends, how can we be to the praise of His glory unless we understand and operate in this? 
if we operate in our own flesh and our own efforts and trying to do it ourselves, we will never be to the praise of anybody. That's what God's trying to tell us here. Um, even more glory. For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, so the law is just one big ministry of, why would you want to stay under a ministry of condemnation? The law was just a ministry of condemnation because it was trying to point you to Jesus. Once Jesus has come, it's really strange for a person to say, I want to go back to condemnation. Come on. It really is strange. This ministry of condemnation, um, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. Man, that glory that had some kind of glory, it just fades in comparison and just because it just disappears because of the glory of Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross, right? For, for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent... No just casual words in the Bible. What is permanent? Permanent. This is a permanent one. That was temporary. Permanent. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. I love this. We are bold with such a hope. I can't have confidence and boldness in myself. I'm never going to speak up. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. It looks a little bit deep. You'll see some focus. How can I have such boldness? Because the past is not mine. It's put into his hands. I can have boldness going forward because I found myself in Christ. He's taking care of it. I'm sealed. Amen. Woo. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. <laughs> but their minds were hardened, this is the Israelites, for to this day when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains up unlifted. Friends, if you keep under the law, that's, there's a veil over your eyes, and, uh, and you, 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 you just read it with, a, with a, a, a bent, a slant. It's only um, because only through Christ is it taken away. Only Jesus can take, take that away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That's all it takes. Simply just turn to Jesus. Simply just simply yield to him and say, Lord, I, speak to me. I, I don't want to live under the law anymore. I want to live under you, under grace. I want to live in you. And he says, okay, let me take it away. Veil's removed. And then listen how it ends. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <laughs> this whole new covenant is in the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. This is a spiritual covenant. This has to be operated and lived in in the Spirit. And in the Spirit, you can't see it, so it's operate by faith. Not by works, not by trying to achieve and do in performance, by faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done. Amen. Uh, and, and we all with unveiled face, beholding, we all, we all, sounds like it was Southern American, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, that's a terrible American accent, but anyway, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we are being transformed into the same image, one degree of glory to another. Friends, when you operate in the new covenant, when you operate in Jesus Christ, you are being transformed. One degree of glory to another degree of glory. You are changing all the time to be more like Jesus. You operate on this side, friends. You start to go forward, and then you break the house down and start again. And then you start to go forward, and you have to break it down, and you have to start going again. And you keep looking back, whatever, and you kind of go, 
Whereas here, friends, I can look forward. I can look in Christ, empowered by Christ. I can go forward with confidence and boldness because I'm straining to the upward call of Jesus Christ rather than me looking at where I've failed and where I've messed up, right? Amen. Amen. We're not going to get to Hebrews again. Okay. But it is awesome, Hebrews. It's a really good book. Um, so what's my heart, my heart for us today? My heart for us today is what I have been trying to unpack over the last little while. Is I promise you right now, I want to say this categorically, that I am not light on sin and God is not light on sin. Friends, it would be really something wrong if a father would give his son because he's light on sin. He gave everything. He was not light on sin. The sin is... Is very, very serious to God, which is why those that don't give their life to Jesus Christ, the wrath of God remains on them. So there's the wrath of God. And so God poured out His wrath on Jesus Christ on sin. So please hear me. God is not light on sin. But God broke in and took care of sin through His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And he, he, he didn't just have to take care of sin as some kind of temporary measure and then say, okay, now you can start again. It would be ludicrous to think that we as the people of God, after this whole journey in history, would actually be able to do this thing right. We cannot. The Bible tells us we are foolish, tortoises, no good. We fail all the time. Put no confidence in the flesh. We cannot do this thing. So God didn't come and take care of it so that we could try again. This wasn't second time around. Maybe they'll get it right. He knew all along. So he had to just take care of it permanently once and for all. Once and for all. And if you go to Hebrews, which we won't go to, but if you go to Hebrews, the Bible says very clearly that if that sacrifice could have taken care of it, there would be no consciousness of sin. Meaning that if there was a sacrifice that could take care of it, then there would be no consciousness of sin. And there was one. Yoo-hoo! It goes on to tell you Jesus Christ died once for all, broke into, into time at a certain point, whether you live on this side of that point or that side of that point or any point, whatever, in, in time, in man. He broke into time and paid one sacrifice for all. He is not sacrificing himself every time you sin. He sacrificed once for all so that you might be perfected forever. And if you read chapter 9, it talks about this. It says eternal Redemption. The Bible doesn't put words in there just casually for fun. It's an eternal redemption. Friends, it means it can't fail if you give your life to Jesus Christ and you are redeemed inside of you and you are made new and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Then He's taken care of you so that you cannot escape the redemption of Jesus Christ and His blood that washes you clean. Past, present, and future sins. Once for all. Am I against now I'm talking about confession, uh, repentance? 
No. I believe in coming before the Lord honestly and confessing and saying, Lord, I messed up. I did this. What is he asking me to do? He's asking me to repent. Change my way of thinking. Why do I change my way of thinking? Because that's not who I am. I say, Lord, I'm so sorry. That's not who I am. As the child of God is yours, bought with this beautiful price, the price that Jesus paid. My heart weeps and cries that I would do that. But thank you that you paid the price for that sin 2,000 years ago. I don't have to ask him now. Please, will you forgive me? He died on the cross with that sin. And if that's done inside of our hearts and lives, man, and now he says, not only is it done, but I'm going to live inside of you, and I'm going to empower you by the Spirit, that same Spirit that chased out the enemy, kicked Satan and one-third of the angels out of heaven is inside of you. He says, I'm not intimidated by Satan or any of his angels. Any demonic thing that wants to come your way, it's not, whoo, hold on a minute, let's gather together 17 believers. I, I don't need 17 believers, I need the spirit that chased him out of heaven, and it's inside of me. <laughs> See, in the spiritual realm, let me catch this. In the spiritual realm, numbers don't count. Let's call a prayer meeting, because five of us got together, whatever, and it didn't seem like God moved. Let's call a prayer meeting. Let's have 50 or 100 of us. That'll move God. In the spiritual realm, I'll tell you what moves God. His son. See, his son and me, we're a majority. And he's all powerful. He's all powerful. Anything I face, I just come and stand before him. Thank you, Jesus. And he says, I got this. I said, thank you. I'm going to rest in you. Cool. What does it say? Let's have a look. It says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Thank you for that living word. Thank you, Jesus. Cool. He says, thank you. You got it. I just begin to proclaim. Thank you, Lord. Knees taken care of. Thank you, Jesus. Ha. Thank you, Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He gives seed to the sower. Oh, he doesn't give seed to the needy. Oh, he gives seed to the sower. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm a sower. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the seed. Thank you. Yes, receive that seed right now in Jesus' name. I'm going to sow it. I'm going to sow it for the kingdom. Suddenly, the sower becomes abundance. Suddenly, there's bread. Mm. Shall we stand? Karabashanda. I could go on and on and on. <laughs> I promise you, you may be sitting here this morning. It took me quite a while to digest all of this. I'm not preaching out of a month's revelation. I'm not preaching out of one sermon. I'm not preaching out of... It took me a long time just eating from Him. Because He's that good, church. He's that good. And the enemy loves to give Jesus a bad rap. That's why you swear in his name. That's why people don't even really say his name anymore, even from the pulpit. It's kind of let's tell stories or 
can say other things, but the name of Jesus. But He's the one that we need to lift up because He is our everything. My encouragement this morning is encourage yourself in the Lord. Study His Word because you'll live free. Let me say this. I do believe in inner healing. But I believe the greatest inner healing is a revelation of what Jesus did on the cross. If we could get a full grasp, total download, full grasp of what He did on the cross, you would never need to be healed again. You'd be totally healed. And I'm talking not just about your physical body. I'm talking about mentally, mind. But often it's the enemy tries to sneak in because of a lack of knowledge, just... I'm not sure about this. I don't think God's happy with me. Then we go study the Word, and the Bible says in Isaiah that He will never be angry with us again because of Jesus. Never will God ever be angry with us again. And that doesn't fit in the Old Covenant because they kept messing up, and He got angry. Now, in the New Covenant, we can't mess up. We're in Christ Jesus. I never got this because of what I did. I can't lose it because of what I did. I'm now in Christ. Now I'm standing in Jesus. He's never going to be angry with me because he's looking at me through Jesus Christ and through his blood. So I'm always accepted. That's why he can say, make bold statements. Holy, blameless, above reproach. Eternal redemption. Eternal inheritance. Because it's a foolproof, can't fail when you give your life to Jesus Christ and surrender totally and get born again and step out of an old covenant, a ministry of condemnation written on stone into a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, where Christ now is our all, in all. Christ is our everything. So Lord God, those that have just Every single person here, if they've just been condemned or felt whacked by, um, by things that they've done, maybe in their life, that maybe they're ashamed of, where they may have messed up. I really do want to say, run to Jesus, not away from Jesus. Flee from condemnation and guilt and shame and run to Him. The Spirit of life, where there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come and yield to Him. Come and be honest, be transparent. You can confess. You can share. You can tell the Lord your heart. And then repent. Change, that means metanoia. That's the word metanoia. Change the way you think. Re, go back to pent, pentas, the highest place. Go back to the way God wanted you to operate and think that you are my child and that, that is, this is the way you operate as a child of God. You don't do those things. Those are not you. And then you don't look back. You look forward and you press in to the high call of God. Let Him work in your life. And you won't do those things that you did before because you're so focused on doing the new things in Jesus. So, Father, I just break off any condemnation, any guilt, any shame, Lord, anything of the past 
that wants to try and attach itself to any person here today in the name of Jesus. I cut them free right now in the name of Jesus. I just break that thing off them, Lord God. And even with might be minds that are just bombarded and confused right now, and there's a lot of stuff that's contravening maybe a previous thinking or previous teaching, I just pray now that you would come supernaturally and bring peace, Lord God. Because you said, Isaiah 26.3, a mind stayed on Christ is at peace. Just bring their minds into that place of peace, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that you begin to unravel the truth. As they sit with you, Lord God, sit with your word. Let your word be rich. Let your word begin to operate in their lives and bring freedom. Because when they know this truth, Lord God, it will set them free. We were born for freedom. As Connor was praying over us now, we were born for greatness, born for this time, born to go out into the nations, born to spread the good news, born to be a people that are uh, invincible, untouchable, uh, just uh, powerful, glorious people full of the power of God, signs and wonders and miracles, following the preaching of the Word. That's what we call to right now in the midst of all that's going on. And the only way we can do that is if we can understand this and walk in this. Otherwise, we will trip up and we will fail. And if we fail, then we will be held back and we will think that we've got to go back and reevaluate and redo and, and sort things out and, and labels will come and try and stick to us like Velcro um, that we this or we that. No, we are a born again child of God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Never again. Never again. We won't go back, Lord. We are not people that shrink back. Will you do it by your Spirit right now, by your Holy Spirit? I know time is gone, Lord God, and I don't want to rush you, but I know people, it's time, Lord God. So will you just do it by your Spirit? Will you just touch every one of our hearts right now and do a work that you can do in an instantaneous moment? Just set people free today, Lord God. Set people free. Set people free, Lord God. You have a plan and a purpose for every single person here. It's time to fulfill that plan and purpose. Stop letting the past stop you from doing what God's called you to do and from achieving the greatness that's over your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. I know if you want to linger, please just linger. The guys are just playing in the background. It's so beautiful. Um, If you want to just the Holy Spirit, I don't want to rush. I hate hate time. I hate time. Um, but I do, I'm, I'm aware and I want to acknowledge time. I know people have got to go. So you're free to go. You can, can go. But if you're wanting to just let Holy Spirit, please feel free to also sit and let Holy Spirit minister to you. Otherwise, please go and unpack some of this. Listen to it again. It's on all the, the platforms. Um, it's, the, the recording is there. Not, not, there's no video, but there's a recording. Um, and you can just listen to the scriptures that I was saying, the stuff that I was saying. Go study it. It's beautiful. The Word of God is rich all that uh, Christ has done for us on the cross. Amen. Love you guys. Have an awesome day.